Welcome to the LC Parent Podcast, where we get real about the struggles, victories, and laughs we share as parents. All right. Oh my goodness. This is going to be an amazing episode of the LC Parents Podcast. I am so glad to be with you. Thank you for listening. If you are joining us for the first time, uh, this is the LC Parents Podcast. And what we do is share stories of what the things that we're struggling with, the victories in our lives, all the things related to raising the emerging generation. And, you know, I love to say that we're not raising our children, we're raising adults. And gosh, our guest today is going to help us talk about something that, you know, I am 53 years old and I feel like an infant in the subject that we're going to cover today. Today, we have our friend Tracy Foster. Thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you, Allie. It is such a pleasure. I'm so grateful. Yes. Okay. So if you have not listened to our previous episodes with Tracy, you've got to do that. Go back and search. And also, Tracy, tell us a little bit about the organization that you're a part of. I love START. I love what it is that you guys do. You guys have been so helpful in equipping the families of Life Church and families all around the globe at this point, really with great resources to bring greater digital health into their homes. Tell us a little bit about START. Yeah, so we are an organization. START stands for Stand Together and Rethink Technology. That's helping to arm the first generation of parents and grandparents raising kids who are digital natives. None of us have lived through this. And we're trying to figure it out as we go. And we're at a point where we're starting to see, I mean, it's pretty frequently in the news that there are some side effects happening to our kids because of technology. That doesn't mean technology isn't also wonderful, like it's enabling you and I to connect right now, Allie, and anyone who's listening. I mean, there are amazing things that can happen through technology. And what we try to do is help parents feel confident and competent to step into the ring to be a mentor and a guide to their kids because their lives are happening so much in this digital space. And research shows that only 14% of kids feel like they've ever had a productive or helpful conversation with a trusted adult, any trusted adult about technology. So when you think about yourself as a parent or grandparent or sports coach or, or you know Sunday school leader, you have opportunities to help shape and, and inspire these kiddos. So real quick, I want you to share with us a little bit about your whole motivation for the things that it is that you do and you contribute to the digital health of families around the idea that I think so often parents come to us on the backside of having experienced some horrible challenge with technology, right? That their child has shared an inappropriate photo or gotten an inappropriate photo, that someone has chatted with them in what seemed to be a very um, benign sort of platform that they begin to compare themselves, all of those things. Talk to us a little bit about about getting on the front side of managing. I love how you talk about it like driving a car. So compare how we engage our kids, allow them to engage in technology with the driving a car analogy real quick. Okay, first I will say, I want to let people know when I use this metaphor, if you're in the place where your kids already are driving unattended, if your kids already are far along the line and you feel this sense of I messed up and they're just too far gone. I want to start by saying it's never too late and we won't get to go into it in this podcast, but we have resources to say, Hey, how can you help press in? Please know we are with you. We are cheering with you and you can still help. So, but I do agree. Anyone who's been in it knows that what is it? An ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure. 
So learning from what we've all learned from those types of experiences, we are really passionate about helping young moms and dads and and other leaders know that this is something we're setting the stage for. And it's never too, just like it's never too late, it's also never too early. So like you mentioned, Allie, we use this metaphor of driver's ed. So we think that technology, smartphones, social media, all of these things are kind of like a car because we want our kids to drive, although rates of teens driving has gone way down because they don't care as much because they just engage on their phones. But we want our kids to drive. It can create opportunities for them to go places, build relationships, do all these things that they would otherwise never be able to do. Gosh, that sounds a lot like a smartphone and like computers. They create these avenues for us to go places and build things and do things we otherwise would never be able to do. However, with a car, I love to say that I'm guessing that Allie's caregivers on her 16th birthday didn't say, oh, sweet Allie, happy birthday. Here are keys to a car. You'll figure it out. Go have fun, be safe, right? Right. No, they didn't do that, right, Allie? That's right. Definitely (laughs) not. And that's because for yours, for Allie's safety and others around, they knew that there were side effects, damage that could happen. And we think that can happen with phones too. And so we encourage this process that we call ride, practice, drive. And ride is when those kiddos are in the equivalent of sitting in the back seat. And those kids are learning from you. I still remember when my kids, both of them went through this, I have two boys, learned the relative value of numbers and they saw a speed limit sign and they said, (laughs) mom, something must be wrong because the speed limit sign says 35, but our car says let's just say 42. I don't know what number it was. And they're realizing that number is different and what's happening. And you have this teachable moment, right? Well, kids are also picking up these details. You know, how many speeds are there on the windshield wipers? These are things that inform their approach towards driving. Hey, that person just yelled at you. What are you going to do in response if someone treats you with road rage? Well, they're also keying on the way that we use technology. If, if we are quick to say, hey, during dinners, we're going to put our devices away. Or if we're sitting there playing Legos with them one moment and then mindlessly scrolling another, which let me just tell you, it is designed to pull you in to do that. It is a force that's that's working against you. But they start to notice those things and very quickly key some of their values of technology and their habits and their norms while they're in that writing phase. We then talk about practicing, which is just like with a driver's permit. And so as your kids start to get access and need personal devices, we really encourage giving devices that give them incremental amounts of responsibility. So maybe you start with some cool walkie talkies, then you move to a smartwatch, then you move to what I love to call dumb phones. Then ultimately they get a smartphone. It starts stripped down and you build it up. It's just like with a learner's permit. You don't, when you're teaching your kid to drive, you don't go straight to the freeway. And the smartphone is the equivalent of the freeway. And then once they work through that um, roadmap in the practice section, they are essentially in the drive phase. And we hope that what you've done is build a relationship. It's hard work. It's so much easier to just give them the device and be like, go off and do what you're going to do. But this is the work of parenting. And so that once they're in that drive situation, you've established the trust. You've established with them that you're going to be fair. You're not going to criticize. So that then even when they are on their own, they know that they can come to you for safe harbor. If something comes up, you can help them. Because one of the big differences between technology and cars is You can tell if your kid gets a bump on the car. They can even see and course correct, whoa, I'm getting close to that mailbox. I better better course correct. But we and our kids can't as easily for ourselves or for them see that they're about to get into a problem. And so it has to come through talking and reflection. How are you feeling? How are you processing those kinds of things? 
So good. Tracy, thank you so much for sharing that with us. I love that metaphor because I think it is so applicable. We would never just hand our kids the keys to a car. We just wouldn't do that. And I think so often that's what we do with phones. And mm -hmm. I do think though that parents are becoming wiser. Like we're, yes. they're beginning to learn from the parents who were parenting in the last five or seven, eight years, that that's probably not the best way to manage that. I certainly did when I gave my kids a smartphone, I just handed it to them. Yeah. I didn't know, you know, that all of the dangers. So I want to talk real specifically about one vein, and this is why I'm so thankful you're willing to come on several episodes of our podcast, because each of these veins is an entire episode. But today we want to talk a little bit about video games. And I want to talk about gaming. And this is something I am just not familiar with. And I start to want to excuse that by my age and because I don't have children. But I know because of conversations I have with parents, parents are buying these amazing, pretty expensive gaming consoles and giving them to their kids and not actually having any knowledge about what this, what the games do and what they're about. So I want you to share with us just a little bit about what is out there related to gaming and then we'll talk about some things like boundaries and, you know, all of that. But first, let me ask you a quick question. Did you play any video games when you were a kid? Oh, I jumped on those mushrooms with Mario, oh. for sure. <laughs> I had Pac-Man. There was some amazing hamburger game that I played in like a hamburger factory. Nice. It was, yes, I did. Now, here's the interesting thing, Allie, and you guys can edit this out if you want. But one of the things to know is that video games now are really different than those video games. So when we were when we were playing, you know, there were a few different things. Number one, I was usually playing Mario with my brother sitting in the same room. Right. Yes. So there was proximity. I was never playing with people online, which it's amazing what some of those things can do. We hear kids who are able to play video games with members of their family, cousins who are who are kids of people who are deployed in the military and are overseas. Right. That's amazing. So there are ways where you can create that proximity. But in other ways, no one had access to me and my brother when we were sitting there playing the video games. Yeah. And now people have access. There are other things like the the point of view. Oh, Zelda was another one I remember playing. Legends oh, yeah. of Zelda. And <laughs> in those games, I can literally picture the scene. With Mario, you were looking from the side. With Zelda, I think you were looking from the top. Yes, and you were kind yes. of seeing, navigating the world. One of the other things that's hugely different about games today is that point of view, the perspective of now it is almost always you take on the persona and the identity of that person. So if in Zelda, I was letting go of a, I don't remember the game that well, but I was letting go of a fire spinner that would then go kill the bad guy, it was kind of removed. Whereas now I'm not just clicking a button and up in the air, I'm in the person's eyes and honest, in a lot of games, I'm actually the one who's chopping the head off or throwing the fire. Right. You know, a lot of those things. And the tactics were different back then. We could complete levels. We could even complete right. the game. And just like we have limitless scroll in things like social media, more and more video games are incorporating those types of content, that type of content that makes it so that our kids never feel that release that we got to feel because it's just never ending. Can you imagine being stuck in Mario and never getting to the end uh, and getting to the castle? Your right. body would just feel it's that's stressful. Well, the, and that's the, what kids the victory was like, even if you've had the worst game of your life, like I've never played worse. I'm clearly going to lose this. At least at the end, there was reprieve from the game over. Would yes. pop up. Like yes. that was whether you were winning or losing game over that popped up on the screen was like, oh, thank goodness. 
you know, one way or the other. Yes. But what you're saying is the, the people that build these games build it on purpose so that there's never an end in sight. There's no like ultimate level to defeat, right? Yes. And they're so using more that? variable rewards too. Okay. Talk so, about variable rewards. Yeah. Variable rewards are things that happens sometimes. And so psychologists have found that when you have a consistent reward, believe it or not, it's actually not as motivating as if you get the reward sometimes, but not always. So one example is when we look at our phone, we might have a notification or we might not. And when we kind of get these notifications at random, it makes us want to check so often because there's such a huge chemical called dopamine that comes when we get this surprise reward. And in video games, there's this thing we did, a con we, we, did a podcast with this guy, Max Stossel, who's the head of education and content for the Center for Humane Technology. And we work with him a lot. And so he equates these things. He talks about these things called loot crates, which if you think back to Mario, was like the thing where Mario would jump and hit his head and then coins would come out. And we knew what they were back then. But now these loot crates, you know, oh, make sure on that screen that you hit the third one because you're going to get double bonus coins or this one's that color. So you're going to get triple points. But now these loot crate situations operate a lot more like slot machines where you don't Ooh. know what you're going to get. And so video games are designed with that and it creates the same type of physical sensation, mental and emotional experience as people sitting at slot machines. And obviously wow. slot machines are not bad and you may go and right. use them and stay very happy using them. But I think most of us have had situations where we, we walk through a casino and you see these people who have a little bit of a zombie stare and they're just kind of yes. like slumped over and they're waiting for that next hit of dopamine and it's so variable. And so those types of strategies, if you've ever walked through a casino and been like, ooh, am I like that if I do that? Or, ooh, that's right. the same sensation that our kids are feeling with a lot of these video games. That is, okay, you're telling, I didn't know this. Like Tracy, this is new information for me. And the scary part is, is that, when the developers of these games are are creating these things, it seems harmless enough. Like, of course, they want you to keep playing their game. That's that's fun. And I'm not saying that developers or games are evil or anything like that. They're not, for of sure. Course. Right? Absolutely. Yeah. And it is fun. Games are fun. The challenge is knowing when to shut things off. Which is the same thing with any addiction, right? Food addiction, alcohol addiction, yes. pornography. Things, well, pornography never has a good side, but you know, there are certain things where it's like, this can be okay in moderation. Right. Clearly playing a game is fun, but yes. if you, these little things get a hold of you and your all of your dopamine is coming from clicks, likes, loop crates, as you're describing in these video games, then we can begin to experience a real challenge. So what should we be then as a parent who has a gaming console, who actually enjoys it, uh, a lot of parents, that's how they do connect with their kids. And that's wonderful. Mm -hmm. So should we, and if we should, what should we be concerned about? And then I want you to talk a little bit about some boundaries and some tools we can use to help us create greater digital health around Great. videos, video games. Yes. So when we go into tools, I'll share about our video game decision tree, which is oh. really based on a concept of behavior change. So these games, like you said, Allie, they are not inherently bad. We love it when parents jump into the games. The more that we can step into our kids' world, see the things that they're excited about, engage with them, that is a perfect bridge of conversation. And we can lead, we can start to open up with vulnerable conversations like, man, I know it's time for dinner, but I'll be honest, 
I just do not want to stop. I want to just keep playing. And when we start to lead with some of those things, a couple of things, number one, by playing, we are starting to taste and feel the joys so we can be more connected to them about, ooh, that was fun. Ooh, I felt really good about that. But we can also actually empathize with the stresses that they're feeling because we are getting at least a taste of them. We may, we have more fully developed prefrontal cortexes. We have more life experience. We may not experience them as epically as they do, but it gives us that platform. So I do think, number one, the more that you can engage, and I will say, it is very important to ask your kids because depending on the game, you may not be able to play with them without like messing up their world or messing up their score. (laughs) So maybe then it's about asking them to make sure to cast it onto a TV and you sit and you watch alongside them. Oh, that's a great idea. Oh, the more, one thing in general is the more with any technology that you're using that you can get to, this is going to sound weird and it, but the more that you can get to a bigger screen, the better. So, because then the screens also start to get further away from you. You're less physically immersed in it. That's so this good. could be for anything that kids are doing on a phone. The next upgrade that one level is get it to a laptop where it's a little further away. It doesn't feel like it's actually physically part of their appendage. Right. Or get it onto a TV. Because the other thing that happens with those things is there's just more exposure. And so it helps keep kids and it helps you as a parent be able to even just spot check, hey, what is happening? Okay, how's that going? And then you can start to see if there's like, wait, what's going on in the chat? We've had so many parents who say, I started having my kid cast the game because sometimes the games can be annoying. So you like push them to an outer room or to their bedroom. But if you can bring that into a more communal area, you get a, a quicker sense of what's going on. But I agree with you that games are definitely not bad. And what, what we encourage parents a lot to do is to think about it from a brain standpoint. And actually a mantra I want to make sure to share is, hey, I love you too much to let your brain get so overloaded like this Mm. when it is time when they are having problems. Because, and what's hard is this can really vary by kid. It can vary by game. It can vary by way that they're using it. But if you get to a situation where you can tell that every time your kid gets off the game, they're irritable, they're moody, they're disrespectful, which I think almost any parent whether it's with video games or other screens, has seen that type of yes. like meltdowniness. Mm-hmm. If you're starting to see those reactions, it's a sign that they're getting more immersed in it than in their real world. And it can help you say, okay, hey, let's have a conversation. We can talk about the video game decision tool, but here are the things that help me know that your brain is able to handle this because there is a lot coming at you. There is so many explosions of dopamine every minute in our life, those are just supposed to be peak moments that happen every once in a while. Mm-hmm. And so um, looking for those signs of my kids really irritable, my kids really grumpy, they are only focused on playing video games. That's that's what you would first look for. If they're able to handle it in moderation, then it's something where they're probably doing it quite healthily. But unfortunately, it is like some of those other things like alcohol or other things where certain people may be predisposed to have a bigger struggle, a more natural mm-hmm. addiction per se. Okay. To this That's type of to platform. Yeah. Okay. So I, I love all of that so far. So one, the, the first thing that you're, that you said, and I think we say this in a lot of our different episodes about various topics, you know, it's already hard enough to communicate with our young people. You know, there's always that challenge of, gosh, I just feel like we don't know any, any each other anymore. She's 12 and she just goes behind her door, you know? Um, so what you're saying is, this is something that they enjoy. So connect with them around it. 
don't downplay it. Don't say, oh, that game is silly. I don't care. I don't want to hear about what, le- you know, what level you're on or what you're doing or what your world looks like. No, invite yourself into that process. Tell me about your game. Share it. Put it yes. up on the TV. I love all of that. I had so another thought too, it. Allie. Oh, what the is The more it? that you can bring it to life. So like my kids are huge Dude Perfect fans. Oh, Let's yeah. be honest. Let me restate yes. that. I am a huge Dude Perfect fan. I love Dude Perfect. They're amazing, right? Yeah. And one thing I love about them is how much you can take bring screen time to life. Yeah. And so who knows what it is with their favorite video game? Is it when you're building something, when you're putting cans in the pantry and you're like, oh, this makes me think about in Roblox, this thing we built. Or is it that you like start learning the Fortnite dances? Yeah. You know, if your kid is into something, if you can find ways, it's actually a good thing to bring that interest into the real world. That's you good. You know, the more that you can find little ways to make that connection, because that makes them more connected with the real world. Um, yes. So anyways, yes. Oh, I love that. I love that. Okay. So connect with your kids through the things that they're passionate about. And for many of our kids, it's video games. Mm-hmm. Bring it into the real world. I love what you said about cast it, get the screen further away from their faces. I love that. I've never heard that before. And then now you're saying we can recognize engaging in video games can be healthy, but there are also signs to look for. And so you mentioned those. So let's say that we start to see some of these signs of at unhealth related to mm-hmm. video game play. What are some boundaries that we can put in place? I like the fact too that you said, don't just shut off the game or ground them or I'm gonna give you a one hour limit. You said explain to them what's happening in their brain and why it matters, which mm-hmm. I love. And that, you know, there's always to, there's biblical basis for that. You know, God created us in his image. And it's just important that as often as we can to bring scripture into some of these spaces. So, okay, so let's talk a little bit about what should we be concerned about? And then what are some of the boundaries? Talk about the decision tree. Yes. So one of the boundaries is time because time, it can just kind of, you know, spiral. And it's like we said, it's when you can start to get too consumed. So we created this free video game decision tree and it's designed so that you can actually hang it up We hear so many parents who say, I literally printed this out and I stuck it up next to the gaming because not only does it help me know what we're doing, it gave me language to talk with my kids and set clear expectations because the more in all parts of life, right? The more that you can set clear expectations, this is what I'm looking for. And then this is what you, the privilege you'd be able to have. So it goes through, Hey, if your kiddo asks mom or dad or, or babysitter or auntie foster parent, can I game? You either say yes or no, and it's okay. You can say no. No is on the decision tree. No, it's time for dinner. No, you need to do your homework first. All of those things are fine. But then if yes, we do encourage kids to set some type of a timer. And one age, one um, benchmark that a neurotherapist that we worked with, it's always hard because there's no perfect. But it's, you know, maybe for a 10-year-old, it'd be something like 30 minutes. For a uh, 15-year-old, it might be something like 60 minutes. That always changes. I'm just throwing it out there as a benchmark in case you as a parent are trying to say, oh, I don't even know where to start. Okay, so you say, yes, you can play. Please go set your timer. And then when the timer goes off, one thing I want to be really clear about is you, these games, even though they don't have endings, you know, there are still key moments. They might be in the middle of a climatic moment. So we tend to encourage, hey, there's a little bit of a buffer. You can set that up with your kid. Is it two minutes? Is it whatever? But they need to acknowledge, hey, I heard the timer go off but I'm just going to finish this thing. And then it goes into kind of green, yellow, red. Green is if they are able to set the timer and turn off the game, 
then it shows that the next time you'll be like, hey, the next time you ask when it's a time that you can game, my answer is yes. If they aren't able to regulate themselves, this is the yellow, if it ends up being parent regulated, where we have to say, hey, kiddo, it's time to get off, which by the way, whether you're the one telling them that, or if they do it on their own, one of our biggest recommendations is to put your hand on them. Physically, oh, wow. it helps. Oh my gosh, Allie, it's unbelievable what brain scans show about this and experience is because whoever it is, I'm going to just say our kid, they are immersed in a virtual world. And so getting the physical touch helps recenter them and reground them. Our biggest recommendation so after that is if you can, after doing video games, if it's appropriate to go outside, even for a few minutes, that can also really help, but it's like a stage gate. So in this mm -hmm. yellow phase, if it's parent regulated, if you tap them, or if you say, hey, it's time to get up or time to get off, if they respond with calm behavior and say, okay, mom, yeah, can I just finish up this level? Then again, it goes to the green next time. Hey, that's really good. As our kids get older, they'll get more self-regulated, but that was a, that was a stress-free outcome. However, right. if they start to, when that time comes up, have irritable behavior, where instead of saying, hey, I'm just going to finish one thing, they're like, but I just got to do this, or they don't even hear you. I mean, I, I, can, I can share stories of like, it's like they don't even hear because they're so immersed, right? That then it might be something where you take away the thing or you fold down the computer and you say that language of, hey, I am so sorry. I love your brain too much to argue about this. It's That's time for good. you to head outside. Just That's in good. a calm way. And then, mm -hmm. you know, next time when they say, okay, can I game? Then you say, hey, you can. But last time you might remember, we went through the challenge. So we're going to give you half as much time this time. Let's That's see good. how that does. Right. And then in situations, it also shows on here, if kids are sneaking games, you know, that's a situation where you, they should lose privileges for whatever period feels like the good start. Is it a day? Is it a week? Whatever. And right. then you might reintroduce it in 10 minute increments. So anyways, that's a little tool that we have. About so, so good. Boundaries. Okay. Here's the crazy thing is we've literally got three minutes left in this episode. And I know that we could probably fill two more episodes with all of this. I really want to talk to you about discord and Twitch and chatting inside of games. What are some of the, you know, some of those kinds of things we've got to have that conversation as well. So we'll, we'll definitely, if you're okay with it, Tracy, I'd love to invite you back to have that next conversation um, about what this looks like, because what you mentioned off the top is this is such a cool way for our kids to stay connected or to make friendships around the globe with people, mm -hmm. to meet people and to have, you know, I heard of a, a kid not too long ago at one of our locations who started to learn another language. He was playing a game with a bilingual friend and he started to I learn. I love that. So cute. And so he would just start piping up with, it was German. And his parents were like, what are you doing? Where are you getting this? And he said, I'm learning it from so-and-so that I play, you know, a game with, which I just think is so cool. So I love that, but we do need to talk about what it, what does it look like in a chat room? You know, there's there's a lot of things to consider there as well. Any other tools that you can mention real quick as we wrap up this video? I mean, this episode. I'll um, maybe just say two other things. One is when they're thinking about getting it, I think that it's useful to say, you know, you should always have the privilege and the control of whether, not always, as your kids get older, of determining which games get downloaded. Oh, good. Um, yeah. And there are a few things when you're thinking about that process. One is there is an ESRB rating. It's called ESRB. 
Okay. And you can go, you can look up more about what does the rating, because the rating on the games are not the same as movies. So it's not always intuitive. You can see, oh, oh, that's what that rating means. And so I think that can be useful. The other thing is we actually recommend talking to an older kid and hearing from them. Ooh. Hey, do you have a babysitter? Is there someone at church or somewhere else? And saying, hey, my kid is really interested in getting Minecraft. Have you ever heard stories about any of your friends? And then at a certain age, you could ask your kids to do this as they're kind of pitching it to you. Hey, can you just ask around and find out what do people like about it and what do they not like about it? Because it is so much easier to talk to your kids about some of the pitfalls when it's something that like someone totally cash, like, hey, I was talking to the assistant baseball coach. Let's say it's like a high school kid. I was talking to him about, you know, whatever game, Grand Theft Auto, and he shared that he used to play that. And actually he kind of got addicted to it. Have, have, have you ever heard about that? Oh, and like okay. putting in those little bits of curiosity. So those we'll are a couple of things when they're thinking about it. That's so great. I love it. It all goes back to that. It does, right? It's the, it's all based in relationship. How would you talk to anyone else about something you would be curious? Yes. And I think as a parent, so often we're filled with fear. And so the answer is no, yes. you know, or like, I don't know enough about that. The answer is no. It's like, well, Let's, you know, invite ourselves into the learning process. Let's ask questions. Yes. See, thank you so much. So here's what we're going to do because there's so much great stuff. And I know you guys have a ton of content. We're going to link out to the decision tree. We're going to link out to WeStartNow.org because you guys have all kinds of great things. I know you have podcast episodes about this. And just between you and me, I would love to talk to your friend that you said is docile. Oh, the neurotherapist? Yes, I would love to have a chance. Yes, she's a believer. Oh, okay. That's so fantastic. I would love to have her on this show potentially. So Tracy, thank you so, so much for being with us. Thank you for always sharing your wisdom and being so generous with the incredible amounts of research that you all do the time and energy that you put into building tools that in so many cases are free on your platform. And we're just so excited about that. I want to encourage every parent who's listening. If you are not in a group, if you don't have a group of parents around you, oftentimes at Live Church we call those live groups. It could just be a group of friends from your neighborhood, but where you're able to talk about these things, like what Tracy, what you just said about ask around, find out from other yes. people about games. Who better than some friends, some friends that you know believe the same things that you believe. They're trying to bring Jesus into the center of their homes. What are their experiences and how can you learn from one another? Can I just say one thing on that? Yes. I echo that so much because one of the things is our kids will play us. They will yes. say, but mom, everyone in kindergarten, I'm making it, everyone <laughs> in kindergarten plays battle royale. And you're like, there is no way. Is that really happening? Right. You know, and maybe they heard someone who the kid played one or watched their older brother play it. You know, right. I mean, who knows what the circumstances, but the power of having a group of friends where you can just say, hey, have you heard? Is this something that a lot of the kindergartners at school are playing? <laughs> Boom. Right. You know, it yeah. shows you know what's up. It shows exactly. you are not, you ain't going to get played. <laughs> exactly. So again, yes, great point. We want to make sure to have a great community of people around us. If you're not in a life group, get in one, start a life group, find your group of friends in your neighborhood. And at the end of the day, more than anything, pray about all of these decisions, pray about the use of technology in your home, pray about how you create boundaries about that and invite Jesus into every one of those situations. He cares about the details. 
Tracy, thank you again for being with us. And you guys will see you this weekend at church. Thank you so much. Thank you.